Welcome to the You Don't Tell Me podcast, where you don't tell me, but I, of course, always tell you. My name is Taya, and my beautiful partner in crime, Michelle, is not here with me tonight. Um, the previous episode was a project she put together to interview her husband, Antoine, about his military experience and the world events that are happening right now. This is kind of like a part two episode for that project, in a sense. Um, I am here with my boyfriend, Brandon. Hello. He is retired military, and I have some questions that I'd like to ask you. Um, and I know that you will paint a great picture of your experience in the military, as well as your retirement. Even though you haven't retired because you're old, old. You've just retired from part of your life. Yeah, okay. yeah just just one chapter. <laughs> um, so I'm just going to go right on in and start asking you some questions. All right. Sound good? Yeah. All right. So what branch did you enlist with and when? Uh, well, at the uh, young age of 21, I made the decision to join the Navy in uh, February of 98. Um kind of a reaction to being a, a young father um, and not making a lot of money in the uh, restaurant industry. So I figured this would be a good change of pace for me and a chance to grow up and chance to, you know, do something and uh, be able to support my family a little better. So Awesome. Um, what did you, or why did you choose to join the Navy specifically? Uh, you know, it's actually a kind of a funny story. Um, <clears throat> I mean, my, my dad did do... Um, uh, one tour in the Navy back in the late seventies. Um, granted there, it's not like there's any real, real family bond there relating to the Navy, but, um, uh, funny enough, right when I was finishing high school, I had a, a recruiter, um, who was contacting me. Of course, you know, when you're a, an 18 year old male, you got all the recruiters in town trying to get you to join a branch of the service. So, um, and as an 18 year old, it was, it was more of a joke. There was no way I was ever going to join, join the military. And then of course, once my, my, uh, outlook on that changed when I turned 21, I, I made the, the decision one day, Hey, I'm going to go talk to a recruiter and, uh, and, uh, possibly make this a, a, a big choice, a big life choice. And, uh, my intent was to go talk to the air force recruiter. Um, cause at the time I was, uh, my my mentality was oh that that's the easiest path to go. Um, funny enough, the uh, Air Force recruiters were at lunch. There was a sign <laughs> on the door, so but the Navy recruiter was there uh, next door. So I said, oh, what the hell? And I walked in that office, and it happened to be the same guy that had tried recruiting me three years ago. So that's so funny. He finally got me. The same guy. Same and you guy. ended up walking in there only because someone was stuffing their face with food. Absolutely. That's hilarious. So the, na the Navy it was. <laughs> wow. And what year was that again that you joined? Uh, 1998. 98. February. Yeah. Wow. Let's see. That was a year before I graduated from high school. Not wow. that any of you guys know me personally <laughs> or know my age, but that kind of puts some perspective for me. Like, anyway, that's kind of cool. Um, what were your jobs and duties while being in the military and i know that's kind of a you probably have several answers for that so if you want to do shout outs to all your careers and all your jobs and all your duties that's great uh yeah i i actually i joined um sorry upon enlisting i did uh volunteer for submarine duty you know i 
I really had no clue what that entailed. It was the, when they throw, hey, this is extra pay at you, it's it's a good choice. So I did volunteer for submarine duty. Um, when I first uh, went in, I wasn't exactly sure what I was going to do. Um, I had attempted to go the route of being a nuclear engineer on submarines, and that didn't quite work out. It was a little above my level of knowledge, so... Um, I ended up rerouting and going the way of uh, submarine communications. So I did my first 11 years um, uh, doing external satellite communications um, on on two different types of two different submarine platforms, um, which is pretty exciting. Just thinking that you can be out there in the middle of the ocean talking to you know someone on the shore, or, or we've even spoken to aircraft before um, over you know, line of sight and satellite comms. So, uh, it, it was, it was a pretty exciting duty. Um, I also had the opportunity while I was, um, involved in submarine communications to be an instructor in that line of work. Um, I did get to a point after 11 years of, of doing that, that I wanted a little change of pace and I got a taste of, um, career counseling in the Navy, which, uh, I found interesting and it gave me an opportunity to focus on, uh, helping people. And, you know, I, I learned that when your job is helping people, um, it's, it's extremely gratifying. So I was able at my 11, shortly after 11 year point to convert over to become a Navy counselor. Um, and I spent my last, uh, my last uh, six years in the Navy doing that. Wow. That's really cool. Um, being a, you said you were an instructor. Yeah. Did you teach classes about anything specific? Yeah, actually, I was um, I was an instructor up at the uh, submarine training facility up here in uh, Bangor, Washington, and um, mainly I taught um, classes on the kind of the introductory level classes for submarine communications. You have um, like when when sailors are first coming into the Navy, they finish boot camp, and then they go to their first training. Uh, course, which will generally be just an introduction to what they're going to be doing when they get out to the fleet. So, um, it was those junior sailors that I, um, that I would teach. And I also would run, um, the laboratory environment where we actually had a mock-up submarine radio room and we would run the, the students through different scenarios to kind of give them a feel of what they're going to experience when they're out there at sea doing that same thing. So, wow. um, let's see. <laughs> Hold, please. My apologies. <laughs> as I, as we reject a phone call. Yeah. And put my phone on silent. <clears throat> you know, Michelle and I. I think it was our very first episode um, where her phone kept getting blown up from one of her kids' uh, grandpas, and it, we just thought it was the funniest thing. We were like, "Just stop calling!" But anyway, no, it's it's fine. Um. So. What was, out of all of those jobs or duties, um, careers within your career, out of all of those, what was the most exciting job that you had? Um, I mean, I, as much as I loved the aspect um, later in my career and being able to finish my career out helping young sailors, um, and there is a lot of you know personal gratification in that. I, it it would be impossible to say that that's more exciting than um, some of the the stuff that we did while I was working in a submarine radio room, because um, just the, the the types of operations you get to do, um, knowing 
how many different types of you know um, other outside entities you're working with, um, the the importance of it, the just how 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 intricate some of those those satellite communication circuits are. There's um, and just just knowing what we're doing and you know and obviously the submarine force we, you know we consider ourselves tip of the spear. So um, I would have to say that being on deployment working with a a Navy battle group, a carrier battle group, and doing communications, which ultimately are part of a mission. I think to me that that was the most exciting time that I had. That's really cool. I can't imagine even being in a submarine, let <laughs> yeah. alone a radio room inside a submarine, inside yeah. the water. That's crazy. It yeah, takes I, a very special human being to be able to be in one of those tubes. Yeah, I, I can't really imagine it much anymore. I don't think I'd want to. I don't think I'd want to <laughs> deploy on one right now. But yeah, those days have gone. Um, what was the worst job that you had? The one you disliked the most. Um, and of course, not to say that it's not important or anything, yeah. but everybody has their favorites and, and not so much. I mean, uh, you know, obviously when you, when you first, I would say your first couple years in the Navy or, or, and, and I'm sure this goes with, with any branch of the military, um, your first two or three years, um, especially once you get out of your initial, uh, training command and you get to your first, uh, deployable platform, whether it be a ship or a an air unit or, um, you know, whatever brand or correction, whatever specialty that, um, that, that you decide to choose, um, you know, your first couple of years, you really have to kind of, um, to put it in a, um, a layman's terms, you got to earn your stripes and, and, you know, you got to kind of do your time. Um, there's a lot of qualifications, um, regardless of what your, your Navy rating is, there's, there's a lot of different things you're going to have to learn and, and you have to qualify to do all these different types of jobs. So, um, for me, it was more or less when I was, uh, my first year on my first submarine where I wasn't as, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I wasn't as productive in my specific division because I wasn't qualified everything yet. So I was the person who would get assigned the, the alternate duties of chip and paint, man. You know, the, those were the types of things I could do at that time while I was working on um, becoming fully qualified and becoming a, you know, a, a, a fully functioning member of the division. So that was probably like my first year on the on the submarine was probably my my least favorite time and the, the, the least favorite job that I had because I just didn't feel I had an important function yet. But, you know, later on, once you once you achieve all those levels, you realize, hey, everybody starts there and we all have to do our time and. We all have to uh, take the steps to get to that point. So, you're right. Everybody does have to start with chipping paint. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. So you got to chip paint somewhere. Uh, I know um, that we've discussed uh, you working on submarines, um, but can you explain a little bit deeper on the type of ships that you did serve on, and maybe the names, if you're allowed to say that? Yeah, yeah. So my first boat was, uh, funny enough, the USS Olympia. Um, and, uh, little story about that. I, um, when we were finishing up, uh, my a school in Connecticut, um, so we had, what was it? 21 people graduating in my a school class and we were all, uh, submarine communications types and we were getting ready to go out to the fleet. So the way they do it is they send you, um, you have 21 people graduating. They send you 21 boats who are, who have positions open for, for people, for radio men. And, uh, 
and basically uh, we got to pick in order of how we how we graduated and how we ranked in the class. So um, I, I ended up being fifth out of 21. And when they were writing the boats on the board, one of the boats was the USS Olympia. And I was like, wow, how how funny. I, I'm, I'm from Olympia. How cool would that be? I graduated from Olympia High School. How cool would that be if I if I was able to get on this boat? And uh, unfortunately, the number three guy picked the boat. And so I ended up um, getting a boat out of uh, San Diego. Um, well, I had done some discussion with this guy and uh, and asked him, hey, you know, I, I basically explained the circumstances to him. And, and uh, long story short, I talked this guy into trading with me. <laughs> so I don't know how I did it. But, uh, so he ended up going to San Diego and I ended up getting the USS Olympia out of Pearl Harbor, Hawaii. So... Um, he gave up Hawaii. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, funny enough, I, I don't. Mean, San Diego is pretty cool, but I don't think his wife was too happy about that. But, <laughs> but hey, what's done is done. So, um, oh my God, that's hilarious. Yeah, maybe so, he was maybe he was scared of you because of your size. I, you know, I don't know. He was only about five ten, but and this man Brandon is six <laughs> four. So I was, I was pretty skinny back then. Um, yeah, so USS Olympia, that um, uh, SSN seven one seven. That's their whole number, and they're actually decommissioning this year cool enough um but that was my first boat they are a, a, a second flight fast attack submarine um basically a, their um, 688 class which is the los angeles class um what that means is the uss los angeles was the first submarine of that class hole number 688 um but uss olympia hole number 717 uh, uh keel was laid um, basically the keel, basically that's how they start building the ship. Uh, so they started building the ship, um, in 1984. Um, and I believe it was commissioned in 85 or actually they might've started in 83 commission 84. I think that's what it was, but, um, yeah, she was a, she was a good ship and, uh, <laughs> or good boat. We call them boats. Um, and did two deployments on the Olympia along with several other, um, you know, uh, East, Eastern Pacific deployments, which are generally about one or two months long. So, wow. um, yeah. So after that, I, I went to the training command. Um, and then I did a short tour on the USS Ohio. Um, that's a SSGN, a guided missile nuclear submarine station here out of, uh, Bangor, Washington. Um, that was an exciting, uh, tour for me. I had actually left shore duty early and volunteered to, go out on a deployment with them um, because at the time the the new radio room that they had just installed in that platform was was new and I happened to be one of the one of two people in basically on this coast that were even um, teaching that I actually I actually piloted um, that course um, when the Navy first brought it online so um, and basically what that means is I was the first person to teach it and then, you know, you basically see what works, what doesn't work, and you make changes after that. But, um, so I was able to go out on the USS Ohio and do a, a deployment with them, um, which is extremely exciting. Um, we, we did, um, operations with SEALs. Um, we had a, a, a submersible, um, uh, docked vessel on top of the submarine, which detaches and the SEALs go out and ride that around. Um, it, it was extremely exciting, um, what we did out there. Um, after that, I had actually transferred and, um, did a tour on the USS Emory S. Land, which is a, 
Um, it's a surface ship, but it's actually a surface ship that is a submarine um, commodity. It's it's a part of the submarine community because the type of ship it is, it's a submarine tender. Um, so what that means is um, you can actually pull submarines up to the side of the ship and um, the ship can provide all services to submarines, whether it's oh, cool. uh, maintenance, you know, um, um, any type of services that you normally get from a, from a dock. So um, submarine tenders are, are, are very unique. There's actually only two of them in the um, in the Navy fleet currently. So um, Wow, only was, two? Yeah, I was actually on one of them. Wow, that's crazy. And then that was when I had made the decision to convert to a Navy counselor. And after my conversion, um, I did my, my training for that in San Diego. That was a month long. And then I got stationed on board the USS Carr, which is a um, FFG-52. It's a guided missile frigate. Um, funny thing about guided missile frigates in the Navy is um, any guided missile frigates that are still even left don't even have guided missile capabilities. They removed all those, so they're, they've become small, obsolete ships that are now used for drug running. So, oh, wow. Um, yeah, so I was able to, to... I was the command career counselor on that ship, which um, is a pretty exciting duty because you're you're one of one. You're, you're, you know, it's not like you're in a division of five people or ten people. You are the only person that does that job on that ship. So um, that was pretty exciting and did a really, really fun deployment on there and uh, and then did some shore duty and called it a day. What um, deployment did you do on that ship? Uh, that was... Boat. Whatever. The ship, yeah. <laughs> a surface ship, so that's a ship. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Even though it's not much bigger than the submarine, but um, that was actually the last deployment that I did in the Navy and that was in 2011 and um, we, so the, the plan. Wait a second. Got, sorry. Is this classified? No, 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 <laughs> nothing classified here. Trust me. I just had to ask I'm, because I'm, I love that uh, phrase. Anyway, yeah, continue. <laughs> I'm, I'm scrubbing the thoughts, um, to make sure I don't, I don't say anything classified, but if I have to use the phrase, I'll tell you what I have to kill you, then, then you'll know, you'll know that was classified, but, um, no, so. Or that. That's yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so this deployment, it, it ended up being more of a, a diplomatic cruise. What that means is um, we were tasked with going to the Baltic Sea and pulling into pretty much every country in the Baltic Sea and having diplomatic type get togethers. Yeah, I can't talk. Excuse me. Get togethers with some of their uh, higher ranking officials. So. Um, so basically we, we left Norfolk, we started out going to Russia, um, spent some time there. Then we hit the Baltic sea. Um, uh, like I said, hit pretty much every country except for Sweden is about one of the ones I can think of that we didn't go to. Um, but we did a tour of the Baltic, um, pulled into a lot of ports, met a lot of, uh, really cool people, was able to, um, I know at least in. Um, Lithuania and Poland, we were able to take tours of um, the some of the Navy ships that they have, um, which was extremely exciting to see, you know, the differences between theirs and their capabilities and ours. Um, and we actually, after that, we left the Baltic Sea. We spent 19 days in the Arctic Circle, um, which was amazing because, of course, every night, you know, I got to go out on the um, on the flight deck and see the, uh, the Northern Lights, also known as the 
Aurorus Borealis, if I pronounce that correctly. <laughs> um, I just can't believe that you've seen the Northern Lights. Yeah, that was that's amazing. That was great. And and what, insert jealousy. Yeah, and I'll tell you what. What I even found more amazing than the Northern Lights is when you're at nighttime. We have these big security lights which shine down on the water. Um, you know, and that protects us from like you know swimmer attacks and stuff. And the water up in was that classified? No, no. Continue. So we're up in um, northern um, um, Norway, northern Norway, which is still in the Arctic Circle. But um, the water is so, like, clear that at nighttime when the security lights are shining on the water, all you see these massive northern pike that are probably two or three feet long just swimming around the ship. And we actually had one of the guys on the ship take a fishing pole out and catch one and cooked it right on the pier. It was pretty badass. Wow, crazy. Um after that, we actually um, got rerouted, and then we ended up going down to South America, and we um, did uh, uh, drug running, basically chasing um, um, drug running boats. Um, did that for about a month and a half, and we were actually able to intercept and uh, board uh, and capture two different uh, boats that were stocked full of cocaine. Holy so shit! We we did our part for the for for the battle against drugs. Wow. Yeah. Well, thank you for your service, I sir. Do what I can. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see here. Um, I know that we don't have too much time left, mm -hmm. so we'll just push through these next few questions. I w would you say that that was your favorite deployment? Absolutely. Absolutely. That absolutely okay. was my favorite deployment. Um, real quickly, if you can rattle off everywhere you've been stationed. One, two, three, go. Okay. Um, wow. So left boot camp, which was Chicago, right? Uh, or Great Lakes, Illinois. Um, first place was Orlando. Then I went to Charleston, South Carolina. Then I went to Groton, Connecticut. Then I went to Pearl Harbor, Hawaii. Then I went to Kings Bay, Georgia. Um, then I was in Bangor, Washington. Then I was in Norfolk, Virginia. Then I was back in Groton, Connecticut. And that was the last place. And now you're back here. Now I'm here. Olympia, Washington. Because I love Washington. Well, first you did a little pit stop in Bremerton, but we don't need to talk about that. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> I moved back to Washington, moved to Bremerton. That didn't work out. Finally was able to come down to Thurston County where I wanted to be. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yes. And that's where you met that's me. That's where I met you. Yeah. And that's the most important part <laughs> most of the story, folks. Absolutely. Anyway, just kidding. <laughs> um, so how many total years did you serve in the Navy? Uh, just shy of 17. Okay. And what month... And year did you retire? Uh, May of 2014. Well, you've been out for a little while now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Time flies. It does. When you're not having fun. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure some of it was fun. Yeah. When you met me. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, was it easy finding work after retirement or did you face some difficulty with that? Um, you know, honestly, finding work was not hard. Um, I think... I, I think for me, I, I was real, um, it was real specific what I didn't want to do. Saying that, um, what I mean by that is when you get out of the, the Navy especially, um, it, it's, there's always going to be opportunities really at Navy shipyards or, you know, working for some sort of entity that works with the Navy or with the government um, in that sense. And, and I really wanted nothing to do with that. So uh, I really, I made every effort to avoid that, which maybe made it a little more difficult for me. Um, because I was kind of looking outside of my scope, but at the end of the day, just having all that, those leadership qualities on my resume and the education that I was able to attain, um, I, I think I was able to set myself up, 
um, good while I was in the Navy to be able to get out and find employment. And, and, and in the, you know, five years I've been out, I've done nothing but improve in my employment. I'm now finally to a place where I feel like I have a really good job. So. Awesome. Um, what jobs, you don't have to list them all, but what types of jobs did you work post-retirement? Um, it was pretty much, Up until uh, now. pretty much retail management. Um, I started out doing about three years of retail management, um, uh, grocery and then a, a newspaper, um, that I worked for. Um, and then after that, I was finally able to get my foot in the door, uh, state work, which where is where I'm at now. Um, did 20 months with, uh, uh, one state agency, the liquor and cannabis board. And now I'm, uh, a supervisor at, at the department of licensing. That's awesome. Um, how, how hard was it to adjust from a military attitude to a civilian attitude? And do you still have difficulty with the adjustment? You know, to me, that was probably one of the most daunting tasks because, um, you know, there's a certain way, especially as a leader or just, just as a, as a person that, that, that you kind of act and you carry yourself, um, in the military. Um, and, and I'm not to say, not to say you act in a bad way, but there's just a different way you can carry yourself and it's not necessarily looked down upon, um, certain ways that you interact with your coworkers, um, uh, in stressful times, there's different ways that you might act where, um, and, and for me coming into the, you know, the civilian world. And especially once I, especially when I got to the state environment, um, I really had to learn to, to tone down, um, you know, my communication style, um, obviously, you know, um, try to curb some of my frustrations and remember that, you know, some of the people that I'm working around now, they've never been in that environment. So they've, they've never had to deal with a lot of those, those stressful things that, that might make people, you know, act a little different. So, um, really just, just learning how to communicate better with people, um, uh, understanding that once you, you're no longer in the military and you're out in the real world, um, it, it you are going to see a way more varying, um, types of people. You, you have to understand that, you know, um, that inclusiveness is important. You know, it's, you're no longer in that bubble of, Hey, we're all, we're all sailors. Well, now it's now we're all humans. So it's, um, and, and the other thing is really learning to slow down my thinking. Um, you know, whereas most of the things that you'll come up with when you're active duty is it's a crisis. You know, if it's, if it's a problem in your Navy environment, it's a crisis. You got to fix it. You know, we're talking about national security here. Um, but you know, I, I, I work on, you know, people's, uh, registrations and, driver's licenses and stuff of that nature. So, you know, there's no ship that's carrying warheads. It's going to get underway right now. So I can slow down my thinking and I can think more methodical. And, and I think the, you know, uh, greatest thing for me now is I have a good leader, a good boss who, who helps me with that and has really taught me um, how to slow down my thinking and think more in a, in a state worker type of way. Look at that little shout out to your boss. Yeah, That's very sweet. (laughs) I love it. Well, thank you so much for letting me ask you all of these questions. Yeah, I appreciate you letting me be here. Yeah, about your time in the Navy, your time, you know, through it all, and your time out of it, and trying to be just a normal, you know, civilian at this point. Um, Really appreciate you explaining all those things. Um, One thing that I forgot to ask that was kind of near the middle 
out of all of the state and cities that you were stationed, which one was your favorite place to live? Um, I mean, obviously I'm, I'm, I'm biased to Washington. So I could say, you know, when I was stationed here, but I don't like Kitsap County. <laughs> so, um, I, you know, I, I'd be dumb if I didn't say the four years I lived in Hawaii were amazing. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, how can you say that was yeah. amazing? It's Hawaii. Yeah. I was ready to leave cause it's an Island, but I'd like to go back and vacation. Yeah. So awesome. it's gotta be Hawaii. Awesome. All right. Um, there was one more question that I wanted to ask you. How deep can a submarine go? Uh, if I told you, I'd have to kill you. You were supposed to say that's classified. That's classified. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. now I'm not satisfied. <laughs> um, but no, seriously, thank you so much. Yeah, I appreciate course. you and I love you. And I love you too. And thank you for listening to the You Don't Tell Me podcast where you don't tell me, but I fucking tell you. And she does. <laughs> and I definitely do. Uh, hopefully Michelle and I will reunite for the next episode because I miss her oh so much. And we will chat at you next time. Good night. Bye. Bye.